Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? Kevin Garnett helped me move once. Santa Cruz, you gotta be a cool guy if you're from Santa Cruz, right? Like, no one ever goes, oh, this douchebag from Santa Cruz cut me off. Kevin, I mean, he really drives the ship in an amazing way on the show. And, you know, he is one of the guys that just brings not only, like, just funny, funny jokes, but a huge intelligence, and he just gets stuff done. Funny is good, and Kevin's funny, but bright, right. even even better, and the guy's just super high IQ. Exactly. Someone comes onto the school and... And you've got Kevin. Now, I'm sure Kevin's shit hot at Call of Duty, but it might not fucking cut it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, go listen to The Life of Riley. His last episode is gold. Oh, good. Mm. What's up, everybody? It's me. It's Kevin. How's everybody doing? Welcome to this episode of The Life of Riley. I got a great story for you this week. Before I get started, straight out of the gate, I want to send a big shout out to my Aunt Claire Volpe. What's up, Claire? You listening to this one, too? I hope so. It's so cool. I haven't talked to Claire in several years, and uh, she hit me up on facebook on our facebook page and and whatnot uh saying that she had listened to at least uh i think episode 12 and really enjoyed it and shared our facebook and and all of that which was super exciting so thanks very much for that claire and uh i hope you keep listening and i hope you keep telling your friends that was super awesome of you so what do we got this time this time, I've got a story for you guys. This happened last Wednesday. Today is May the 9th. So, it was... I can check my ticket stub and find out exactly when it was. It was May 3rd, six days ago. I saw Hamilton, you guys. But... There's more than just that. Let me backtrack. Give you some background, some history. Hamilton's been around, what, a couple of years, at least on the on the national scene, like really making a big splash. It's been at least a couple of years. I think it hit Broadway in 2015. And I don't know about anybody else. I think I think I'm probably in good company with this particular concept. Um, when I first heard about Hamilton, (laughs) I was like, wait a second, a hip hop musical based on the life of Alexander Hamilton. I mean, really? It just on the surface sounded kind of ridiculous. And then it just blew the fuck up. I mean, it just exploded. And I'm like, well, okay. Uh, Is this one of these things where people are 
pretending that it's awesome because it's so popular and you know i just i just couldn't i couldn't get behind the concept at first but that's because i didn't know anything about it obviously and kept hearing about it and hearing about it and hearing about it and then last year almost exactly a year ago i think a year plus i was back east it was before taylor had moved out here and the i want to say it was the tony awards i mean i know i saw the i i know i saw hamilton performed on the tonys but they also did a number on the Grammys. And I don't remember which one came first, but I remember I saw both of them and whichever one was first completely perked up my ears. I was like, Whoa, Hey, Whoa, wait a second. What is this? This, this is, this is some cool shit because as much of a theater guy, as I like to consider myself, you know, musicals have kind of, fizzled for me over the years i just you know nothing new was coming nothing like uh, it was all just the same shit and i'll tell you that the um to back my point up when i watched the tonys um you know we turned it on because taylor wanted to see hamilton but we had to watch the whole damn thing because we weren't sure when they were going to be performing of course it was at the end right but but all of those performances and and not to take anything away from any of the performers or anything but it's just it's so formulaic most most musicals it's just like the looking out into the distance while singing alone on stage in a single spotlight and you know these really simple sets and i don't know it, it seems like half of them take place you know in the dust bowl and, you know, little house on the prairie costumes. And you know, I don't know. I just, I've kind of just over it. And then of course, life of Mormon came along, which I haven't yet seen. And, you know, knowing that the South park guys were behind that and everything, I obviously wanted to see it as soon as I heard about it. And then when it was such a huge hit, even more. So anybody's got passes or anything like that for the, Book of Mormon, let me know and I'll, I'll gladly take them off your hands. So after I saw a couple of songs, I think it was actually the same song done two times on TV, I was like, oh man, I gotta see this. And while I was back, he's visiting, I checked and oh yeah, well, you can't get a ticket for a year. <laughs> so okay. And even if, even if they were available, they're a little bit out of my price range. So I was like, all right, well, I'm never going to see Hamilton, right? Um, maybe one day they'll put it out on DVD or um, maybe in 20 years, if it's like Cats, it'll still be playing, but you can possibly get a ticket. That's another point about how crappy musicals have become is when one, like Cats or Les Mis or Phantom or lots of these other shows, they just run for... 10, 12, 15, 20 years because nothing better is coming along and people still want to go see that. Now all the faces change, you know, uh, the cast is just like a revolving door after a while, but hey, still you get to see the show, right? But if, if people were just cranking out amazing musicals left and right, 
they wouldn't have these long runs. That's my opinion anyway. I guess the argument could be made that these plays are just so awesome that people want to see them for 20 years, but mm, I'm not sure. I think my theory works better. So anyway, I had sort of resigned myself that I was never going to see Hamilton, at least not anytime soon, and got on with life. And uh, what was it, about a month and a half, two months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, uh, producer Wendy comes to me. She's all excited. She's like, oh, my God, you're never going to guess what I did. Super excited, super excited. And I'm like, whoa, what, 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 what's going on? And turns out that a friend of hers, who I also know, uh, has a cousin that's involved with this uh, organization called Gilder Lerman, which... More to the point, it's it's called the Gilder Lerman Institute of American History. And back in the fall of 2015, the producer of Hamilton, Jeffrey Seller, and uh, Hamilton's creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda, along with the Rockefeller Foundation, the New York Department of Education, and the Gilder Lerman Institute, announced an educational partnership to provide 20,000 New York City Title I public school students an opportunity to see Hamilton on Broadway. And they integrated the show into the classroom. And before the kids got to see the show, their teachers guided them through a hands-on class project using resources from Gilder Lerman uh, to introduce the students to the people, events, and documents of the founding era. Um, and they also learned how Miranda incorporated uh, primary sources into the songs he wrote for the show. And I've done a little bit of research on the amount of research <laughs> and study that Miranda used in writing the show. I, I mean, it's took him, what, six, seven years to write this play. took him a year to write the first song and another year to write the second song. I mean, that's how just detail-oriented the guy is, but I digress. So, now there are multiple companies performing Hamilton, right? There's the... There's still the Broadway production in New York City. There's one in Chicago, I believe, as well. And I seem to remember hearing about another city that has a permanent or semi-permanent production, but I can't remember off the top of my head which city it is. Um, and then there's, there's now at least one touring company that I'm aware of. They're calling it the Angelic Tour. And they were, they are still currently in San Francisco and Gilder Lerman was doing the same program with high school kids. Uh, I think some middle schools as well in the San Francisco Bay area. Right. And so this, uh, cousin of this friend of ours is part of this and happened to tell 
our friend that they needed people to help um, because the uh, orchestrating this program, which you'll you'll understand a little bit better as I as I get more into my story, orchestrating this to- program takes takes some effort and takes some bodies and takes some uh, uh, you know it's a it's a task let's just say and so Wendy heard about this and she was like well I've you know my schedule's pretty flexible this sounds like something I'm be super into I, I love theater I, lo- I you know I, I love academia and education and and I think it's really important that kids learn history and you know blah 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 so um, she, you know, gave it some thought and went, yeah, screw it. If they, you know, if it all works out, then I'd love to do this. So cut to the chase on this part of the story. She ends up being hired as an independent contractor to help with this program, which means that she was going up to San Francisco um, pretty consistently uh, over the course of six weeks. Got to see the show four times, that little monkey. So every time she would come back, she would have these stories, you know, some good, some great, some stressful, some frantic, some, you know, uh, crazy. But in every occasion, you could tell that, you know, by her energy that it was completely worth the, you know, three hour round trip commute at minimum. I'll never forget the fact that she was on her way back from San Francisco. I think it was the second week of the run and, uh, oops, it was opening day for the giants. (laughs) Poor Wendy. As you can imagine, anybody who lives in a sports town knows what traffic can be like on opening day of baseball season. So, um, so I was sort of enjoying living vicariously through, through her. It's funny because I'm the one with the theater background. I'm the actor. I'm the, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the ham. I'm the, the, the preener and all that kind of stuff. And here she is getting to, you know, do all this stuff and at the Orpheum theater in San Francisco and then, you know, meeting people in the cast and all of this kind of cool stuff. But I also have to say the idea of, you know, being trapped in a building with a couple of thousand high school kids, uh, kind of tempered it for me. Cause I was just kind of like, he, huh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I could, you're a better man than me, Wendy. I'm not sure I could do that was sort of my, uh, I haven't liked hanging out with high school kids since I was one. And even then didn't really much like hanging out with them. So, uh, and that's a broad sweeping statement for the record. There's plenty of super awesome high school kids out there. I'm aware of it, but you get, any group of people between certain ages together in large enough numbers. And it can be kind of crazy. So as I've said before in the last couple of podcasts, I'm pretty busy these days working two jobs and uh, my schedule's kind of 
up and down and, and open-ended a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, working at, at the family business, I'm sort of don't have exactly the most set schedule. It's just sort of like, okay, we definitely need you here these days, but then, oh, somebody requested off and, and they're not going to be here. So we need you to work this shift this day and we need you to cover this person. So I never really know. And I'm sort of the last resort for a lot of things. So, uh, if I'm asked to work outside of my regular schedule, it's kind of because they've checked with everybody else and nobody else can do it. Uh, and in which case I don't really have much choice and I'm happy to do it. So, uh, so a few weeks ago, Wendy comes to me and, or I think texted me and said, Hey, I just found out I can get one ticket for one person to see the show. Would you like to see the show? It's a matinee in the middle of the week. And I'm like, wow, shit, I would love to. Absolutely. But, you know, hard for me to guarantee that I can get a day off in the middle of the week, especially like an entire day um, with the drive up and back. And, uh, and then she pointed out that if we were to go together, I would have to go up with her leaving super early in the morning. And then I'd be there through the whole day before the, before the, sh or through the whole morning before the show even started. At which point she, she suggested, uh, asking the Gilder Lerman folks if they wanted to put me to work <laughs> because I was going to be there anyway. And I was totally down with the idea. It's like, yeah, what, you know, if I can get the day off, I'm, I'm totally down to do this. It sounds like a lot of fun, but I really didn't think honestly that I was going to be able to get the day off. So I checked and I was able to, and there was multiple, there was two different days that I, that I could have, there was two performances left that Gilder Lerman was, was working and I could do either one. So uh, you know, went in, talked it out, checked the schedules and all of that. And it turned out that, yeah, I was able to do it. So at this point I should, I alluded to this a little bit a few minutes ago, but one of the important parts of this story for me is quite frankly, my initial response to this whole concept was, no, that's okay. I appreciate the offer, but it doesn't sound like it's for me. And there's a few reasons for that. One being, I'm not much on crowds anymore these days. Just not, you know, uh, as my anxiety levels have increased and I've had more and more problems with panic attacks and anxiety and all that. One of the things is feeling trapped in a big place full of lots of people really can really literally ruin my day like or my week or you know I, it physically affects me um and you know in most cases when it's necessary in an airport and you know whatever i i can manage to quell it but when it's something voluntary it's just kind of like what the fuck am i doing here what was i thinking oh this was a fucking horrible idea and you know again just the idea of a bunch of screaming out of control rebellious 
attitude, entitled, you know, teenagers. Just, ugh, it just did not appeal to me whatsoever. But I really wanted to see Hamilton. And I really do love the theater. And I never get a chance to do this kind of stuff. So once I was like, okay, you know, yeah, the trade-off seems worth it. And really kind of went back and forth a lot. And a part of me even, I think, at one point was hoping that I was going to try and find a way to get the time off work. And then I just, and it just would have been impossible. No, we got three people out on vacation that week. We need as many warm bodies in here as we can get. And then I go, okay, sorry, I tried, but I can't do it. Uh, there was a part of me, I think, that was hoping for that because then I was simple and I was safe and I didn't have to go outside my comfort zone and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I resisted that temptation and, um, I think a lot of it was because producer Wendy had, you know, she could have offered that opportunity to anybody, but she was offering it to me. And even when I was sort of being wishy-washy and hemming and hawing about it, she was like, well, you know, I'll let you think it over for a few days, but you know, let me know because I can think of a dozen people at least who would leap at this chance. So, you know, don't think about it too long. You prick. <laughs> so, um, so then, yeah, I was committed. I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing and, and I'm going to be working. I'm going to be working this event and need to describe to you guys a little bit about how that all works too. Uh, as you can see, there's lots of exposition for this story. <laughs> so a little bit of a idea of how this whole thing works. I'll try and give it, do it its justice without being too long winded about it. I already described a little bit about the classroom situation and all that kind of stuff. When it actually comes to the day of the performance, the kids come in and there are a select group from there. There are selections from, it depends on how many, how many schools are involved on a particular day on most of the days. Um, before the day that I was there, there was only a few schools with lots and lots of students each. The day I was there, there was, I think it was like 28 schools or something crazy like that from all over. Like in the previous weeks, it had been mostly the sort of metro San Francisco Bay Area, like San Francisco, Berkeley, Oakland, Hay well, probably maybe not Berkeley, maybe, I don't know, Hayward, Oakland, you know, Daly City, that sort of area. Whereas the, the week I was there, there were still local schools, but there was also, there was, there was kids coming from the Central Valley, from Lodi, from all over the place. And, I think the largest group was a local San Francisco school, Abraham Lincoln High, that had like almost 250 kids coming. Um, and, but then there was 20 odd some 
other schools as well. And when they arrive, there are what, like 17, I want to say. Hang on, let me do the math here real quick. Yeah, right in the, right in the range of 20 schools that, or maybe 17. Anyway, kids get to come in and perform. That's the, that's the basic thing. And I guess, you know, it, I, I, I saw the kids before I saw the play, and so I don't know if any of them were just doing straight-up renditions of stuff from the play. I do know for sure that some of them were doing things that they uh, created themselves. I don't know. I don't know if they were all originals. I'm not 100% sure. I guess maybe they were. But, you know, they get bust in. There's chaperones. 10, 10 kids to every chaperone is supposed to be the ratio. So you got lots of grown-ups. And most of the kids from each school get in line to go into the theater. The ones who are performing along with one chaperone go around to the stage door where they're let in. Okay. The... First thing that happens once everybody's there and everything is settled and all of that, first thing that happens is the students perform. Each act is about three minutes long. And for a lot of these kids, it's their first time on stage. I think it's safe to say for all of them, it's the first time they've ever performed in such a large venue. There's over 2,000 kids in the audience or 2000 people. Cause there's a lot of chaperones, right? Um, amazing, huge, cool old theater in San Francisco, the Orpheum. So that takes about an hour for the kids to perform. And then they get a Q and a session with members of the cast. And then there's lunch. And then after lunch is the performance of Hamilton. And then after that, it's over, right? They all get on their buses and go back home. So in order for us to get to our call time, which was like 8.45, I think, we had to leave Santa Cruz at around 6 o'clock in the morning. We made really good time. Got there in plenty of time. We go in. Um, I hand over my paperwork. They'd already given me through... Producer Wendy, a really cool shirt that I would wear to identify myself. And a cool thing was I was expecting it to be a Gilder Lerman shirt or, you know, like a polo with a little logo on it or something. But it was a, it was just a black t-shirt with a graphic on it that related to one of the songs and one of the messages in Hamilton, which I thought was a, a really cool idea. Some of the other ones, like Wendy had one that was the, the logo of the show. Um, but they're all, you know, it was sort of like a uniform for our group. So we meet up with them and, and sort of get our assignments and our clipboards and our credentials to wear on our, on a lanyard around our neck and all of that. And I am given the best job out of the entire group. 
there is not a doubt in my mind that I had the best, not only the easiest, but the best job out of the whole group. Now, there's plenty of people, including Wendy, who had lots more responsibility than I did. Of course, they're also getting paid. <laughs> but there's no better job than the job that I had. I was put inside the stage door with another volunteer. This uh, particular event, uh, the corporate sponsor of this one was Google. So the I, I uh, had another volunteer. I was with another volunteer at the stage door who was uh, a Google employee. And our job was, well, the the students and their chaperones who were performing would come to the stage door and my partner in crime would check them in on her checklist, make sure the name of the chaperone matched and the number of performing kids matched and whatnot. I would verify it on my checklist and then I would walk them to where they needed to be. And this is why, this is where the awesomeness of my job comes in. <clears throat> when you walk in that stage door, you're in this relatively, it's actually sort of a small area, but the ceiling is super high. So it seems more spacious than it is. It's a basically a wide hallway, like the side, like 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 a like a large inside driveway, width wise, but really tall. Um, because you're backstage, and anybody who's ever been in a theater, especially backstage, knows how high the ceilings need to be. Um, and you walk. It's probably maybe 50, 60 feet from the door to where the actual backstage area starts. But even before you get to there, you see, and it would help if you've seen any footage or pictures or anything of, of the production of Hamilton, but the first thing you see is a wardrobe rack with the Minuteman coats and the red coats hanging on it, which are just absolutely iconic to the production of Hamilton. And they're just hanging there with these big fans underneath of them blowing up into them. I'm guessing one to cool them down, but also probably to air them out because they probably get pretty fucking foul, I'm imagining. Um, and right past that, you literally enter the backstage area. You're walking in backstage left, if you look into backstage left, there's just props as far as your eye can see. And then you're in the backstage immediately behind the set is just sort of a little runway. And on either side of that runway are quick change areas for the actors. Each person has their own little spot with all of their different wardrobe components in them so that they can just pop off stage, take off one thing, put on the other whatever and the the costumes are relatively simple in hamilton but also very very cool um 
And because it would be a lot more difficult in this particular theater, all of the dressing rooms are in the basement. So if they had to actually go back to their dressing rooms, it'd be a lot more difficult for some of the changes they need to do. But when you know what you're there for and you know, wow, this is the hand. And if you've ever seen the set, you immediately, you see the back of it and you already know. And then you see the costumes and you see the props and you, and it's just, if you're anything like me, Oh, I'm just in my fucking element in that, in that sort of an environment. I love it so much. And so while we were waiting for the kids to arrive, we we're like walking around back there, taking pictures, <laughs> taking video and just being like, Woo, this is so awesome. And looking out onto the stage and, and looking at the set and all of that. And then the kids start to arrive and I get to see these kids who are, I mean, the entire idea here is that these are not kids from affluent schools. These are not kids from schools with big theater programs, with big, you know, that, that get to go to big events like this all the time that just are completely complacent and take it for granted. These are kids that are, and I think, you know, at least I would imagine the ones who are performing have been chosen, right? Because not every school gets to have kids perform they just don't have the time they only have the hour right so um so we check them in most of them are really nervous and excited and you can just you can you can just sense the energy coming off of them like a like a chihuahua you know and and then i get to walk them from that they've just come in off the street and i get to walk them into that magical backstage area and all of them are huge fans they all know all about hamilton because they've been learning about it uh in their history classes in this program and besides the fact that it's just a pop culture phenomenon right now you know and they when they realize holy shit we're we're about to walk onto the set we're, we're about and they just the looks on their faces some of them had tears in their eyes. One girl literally just started crying the moment she saw those coats hanging on that rack. And, and then there was, you know, it was funny too, because there was the kids that were trying to act like they were completely nonplussed by the whole thing, but you could completely see how fucking whacked out they were about it. It was fantastic. It was one of the best things I have ever done in my life. I got walking these kids through there. And then all I had to do was walk them from point A to point B. And point B was backstage right where producer Wendy and another woman were. And I just handed them off to them. And that's when things get much more um, sort of not chaotic necessarily, but okay, here's what we need from you. We need you to be behind these people. We need you to give your chaperone all of your stuff because your chaperone can't stay back here there's not enough room your chaperone's going to take all your stuff go out into the audience and you guys are going to be back here with us we need you to stay in order blah 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 you know all of this kind of stuff and i just got to go have fun guys and walk back and wait for the next crew i didn't have to order anybody around or anything like that i got to be there to witness them their first just draw jaw dropping moment walking into the backstage of this theater and then i got to go back and do it again it was fucking fantastic
So once we get everybody signed in, then almost immediately the the kids start performing. And I was lucky enough that I got to just hang out backstage and watch from the wings while they performed. Some of these kids were absolutely amazing. Um, some of them were clearly very nervous. Some of them um, clearly didn't take it quite as seriously in preparation as others did. Um, possibly not thinking it was going to be such a big deal. And here's a, here's a, here's a little mini rant I have to throw in here because this stuff drives me crazy. Um, but I'd like to preface this rant with saying that this is by no means a criticism of this program. It's just something that I've noticed. Everything is miked now in live theater. You know how much easier that makes everything? <laughs> it, uh, it, you know, I mean, the whole thing when I was learning stage acting was diaphragmatic breathing and projecting and never turn your back on the audience and all of this kind of stuff. And some of those rules are a little bit different in, in musical theater anyway. And I wasn't a musical guy cause I can't sing my way out of a paper bag, but you know, it was like every one of these kids was just given a microphone when they, when they got there either, you know, cause a couple of the kids were playing guitar. And so they had to have a stand with a microphone and there had to be, uh, you know, a union re person, the union theater had to bring the microphone out and it had to be this whole production. And it's kind of like, you know, well, if you'd learned how to project, you wouldn't need a goddamn microphone. When this theater was built, they didn't have microphones, <laughs> you know, um, that is less of an issue though, than the next thing that I want to sort of gripe about just for a second. Um, cause yeah, when I was in theater, if they had given me a microphone, I would have been all fucking over it. But the larger thing for me is how many of the kids were reading their performance. They would just go out onto the stage with their iPhone in their hand or whatever and just read it into the microphone or wrap it into the microphone or whatever it was. And it's like, I never got even remotely close to an opportunity like these kids had and they can't even be bothered to memorize their three minute production. Come on. Come on, people. Come on. All right. I'm done. Just mm. anyway, it was a really, really amazing thing that that whole part with the kids, um, with the kids performing. And one of the really cool parts about it was two cast members, uh, a guy who was a swing and a girl who, or I should say a man and a woman, not a guy and a girl, but they, but, and she was in the ensemble. So those two people who were cast members of Hamilton introduced each act, you know, and, and, you know, came out and really fired up the crowd and, 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 you know, give it up for so-and-so and this and that. And the other thing that absolutely needs to be said 
and I'll probably reiterate this later, is how amazing the kids in the audience were. Because I was on stage in front of kids that age when I was that age, and they were not fucking nice to me. <laughs> you know, if you flubbed a line, if you looked nervous, if you anything, you heard little comments, you heard laughter, you heard, you know, and if you made it all the way to the end, you would get a good round of applause or whatever. If you hit a punchline, you would get a laugh. But, you know, when I was that age, it was more along the lines of, well, I don't even want to be here for this fucking assembly. You guys are making me watch this place. So my arms are crossed and you better goddamn well entertain me, which is kind of silly when you think about it. It's like, you'd rather be in class right now, you jackass. But these kids were so supportive and, Obviously, like when one school's performers would walk out, you could hear which part of the auditorium that school was in because they were louder. But everybody would cheer and applaud and, and was very supportive. And then when the performance was done, uh, you know, they would get a good round of applause and, and, but also I will say commensurate to their performance. The people that did really well got, you know, a bigger uh, round of applause than the people who didn't. But even the people who didn't do great, the kids seemed to understand how important it is to recognize just getting up in, in front of that many fucking people, how, uh, especially if it's the first time you've ever done it, how just paralyzing that can be for some people. Um, so that was another thing that was really cool for me to see, you know, and I got to meet some of the staff that work at the theater and theater people are always just super cool and supportive and neat and fun and usually in a good mood. And, <laughs> um, and so that was, that was really cool. And, and then after that was the Q and a, which I missed most of, I saw some of it. Um, and then as the Q and a was getting ready to end, it was like, okay, we need to get set up for lunch because we need to empty out the entire theater, um, and get 2000 plus kids out of the main entrance of the theater around the building across the street in, you know, downtown San Francisco, um, to where they were going to eat lunch in, I think it's called Fulton Plaza. And this is when things became, began to take a little bit of a turn. This is when things began to make me, Start thinking, oh, that's right. That's why I shouldn't do shit like this. Nothing ever goes to plan when I'm involved. And I know that sounds like I'm playing the martyr or I'm feeling sorry for myself or something, but I swear to God, my mom said to me five years ago or so, were you a serial killer in your past life or something? <laughs> it's just, um, so... Worth mentioning that um, while the kids were still performing before the Q&A, uh, one of the chaperones from out in the auditorium 
had to uh, special request that she had to come backstage. And I wasn't aware of this at the time. I saw her come in because the chaperones have to wear these bright orange safety vests so that we could identify them from a distance and all of that kind of thing. And there weren't supposed to be any of them backstage during the performances. So when I saw one, I was like, Hey, what's she doing back here? And, um, her kids were on stage at that point, the kids from the school that she was with. And I saw her watching them and she was crying. And I was like, yeah, okay. I know it's really sweet and everything, but come on, you know, <laughs> um, well, turns out she had a reason to be crying. Um, but I didn't know what it was at that moment. So the, uh, the performances end, the Q and a starts and, and producer Wendy and I are going to go sit in our seats, which are back of the house in the orchestra. So we're on the first, uh, you know, first level of the theater, but we're all the way against the back wall. Um, large theater, but small enough that those were still pretty decent seats. And, uh, when I had been positioned at the stage door waiting for the kids to start getting there, I, I had remembered that um, somebody had come to uh, facilities manager or somebody, I don't know who, what the woman's title was, but she was located there by the stage door. And, and somebody came and said, hey, you know, the it's getting a little warm in the house. We need to... Um, get one of the engineers to adjust the air conditioning because the house is starting to fill up and it's getting really warm in there. And five minutes later, I heard come over her walkie-talkie, the engineer isn't here. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, well, that's not good. Um, and again, these places are all union. So it doesn't matter if somebody else knows how to work the thermostat. It's the engineer's job to work the thermostat. Nobody else is allowed to ch touch it. That's how shit works when you're working union. So, uh, so we go and sit down and Wendy's job, just so you guys get an idea of why my job was so awesome and easy is Wendy's job was to, once I got the performers and the chaperones to backstage right, is she had to make sure that the kids passed off all of their stuff to the chaperone and then take the chaperone out, um, show them where they were sitting and then come back in. And then nine times out of 10, I would have another group there waiting for her and she would just have to keep running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, so she was already overheated. And so we go to sit in the back of the house where it's kind of, you know, we're underneath the, you know, the mezzanines right above us since we're all the way in the back of the, or and it was, it was pretty stifling back there. I won't lie. And, uh, producer Wendy lasted about 45 seconds and she was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so we had done the bugs, bunny, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me thing to get to our seats. And then we had to get up and do the, excuse me, pardon me, pardon me, excuse me thing to get back out. Um, but she was literally in distress and I could see it. So we, you know, we go out and just out into the lobby. It was 
10 degrees cooler and you know she was able to catch her breath and but her core temperature was already so high from just running back and forth for an hour that um that she needed it so but we needed to go touch base um with with our people and find you know i especially wanted to know even though wendy had given me sort of the skinny on how everything works i still want to hear from the person in charge here's kevin here's what i want you to do right so so we go to the blue room, uh, which is just off the main lobby, which during, uh, during productions is it's like the VIP lounge, right? There's a couple bars in there and whatnot. And that was our sort of safe haven where that's where we ate lunch and, and that kind of thing. So we go in there and we're, you know, waiting basically, uh, what we have to do. There's sort of three groups that work in tandem um during this entire event there's the gilder lerman people which is what i was part of and then there's the actual theater security which there's you know a few dozen of them at least um and and then there's sfpd there's actual cops and we need to sort of make a cordon so that as the kids come out, as the, as the groups come streaming out of the theater, uh, they don't try and cross the street and go over to Burger King or go off in the wrong direction or anything. It has to be this very sort of like herding cattle kind of, for lack of a better term, to get them out around the building and across the street. Cause you know, the cops have to stop traffic to get them across the street and in sort of groups at a time and whatnot. And it's, it's a whole procedure and it's a pretty involved thing. And so we're waiting, um, to see what, what's going to happen. And there was a guy there that Wendy told me was the mayor's representative who had been at every, uh, performance. And, and he's got a walkie talkie and he's talking into it and he's looking, I'm not going to say concerned, but, um, he's got a very stern look on his face. And in my brief time working for the state police in Delaware, uh, and having been just in my personal life in some relatively sort of things have just gone sideways, uh, <laughs> moments, that's the expression he had on his face. I've seen it in enough people in, in positions of authority who they're like, okay, shit, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make a call here. What am I going to do? And so we're sort of trying to, we're sort of eavesdropping on that conversation because it was him and the, uh, the, the main Gilder Lerman, uh, representative and somebody from the theater and they're all talking and then he's talking into his uh, walkie talkie and while my um, attention is is focused on that because uh, I'm like something ain't fucking right here something oh shit so I'm watching that and meanwhile um information is filtering in from other people that that chaperone that had come backstage during the students performances um 
had just learned that a fellow student, not one of the ones in the theater, but another student at their school had died that morning. And they wanted the kids to know that it had happened, but they weren't telling the kids who it was or how it had happened or any of that kind of stuff. So that was already going on within that group inside the theater. And now I see and I'm hearing that. And while I'm hearing that, I'm going, okay, I don't care because there's something much bigger going on to my right. And this is (laughs) all my fucking attention. And then I hear... uh, suspect at large in this neighborhood and my ears peak right the fuck up and what we end up hearing is that there has just minutes before been an officer involved shooting a couple of blocks from the theater and they believe that there is a suspect at large in the neighborhood So we can't let any of the kids out of the theater yet. Um, Just imagine, if you will, trying to keep a couple of hundred kids in a high school cafeteria if they don't want to stay. Now multiply that by about 20 (laughs) and consider that we had over 2,000 kids in this theater, many of whom had to go to the bathroom, all of whom were hungry, all of whom had been behaving themselves and, and everything for two hours probably, and they were ready to get the fuck up and stretch their legs and go to the bathroom and get something to eat and... This is what they had all been, and that was the thing too. We had, as we were walking out, we had just heard the, the, one of the people in the Hamilton cast at the end of the Q and A tell them, okay, you guys, you're free for lunch. And it's like, oh, fuck. So, um, just as we're sort of giving our marching orders to go back in and, and spread the word that, we can't let them out, but we also can't tell them why, right? Um, we hear just at the, at the last minute as we're about to leave, okay, um, we don't, we don't think there's no, we don't think there's any danger. There's no suspect in the vicinity. The, the problem now is that all of our cops are gone. Right, All the cops that were working the show, the moment they heard shots fired, they all fucking bailed, of course, as they should have. But now we had to at least, if nothing else, wait for them to get back. Um, and they were scattered all over to the four winds, right? So, um, so we're told 20 minutes, and which brought us to, I think, 10 after. I can't remember what hour of the day it was now. 10 after 12, I guess. And uh, so we each go back to our respective sections and we're telling, I'm talking, at least for me, I'm talking to chaperones and going, look, you guys, I know everybody's anxious to get out of here, but they're telling us we can't, we can't let you out until 10 after. So you guys are going to have to sit tight 
you know, for about 20 minutes or so. Um, well, can we go to the bathroom? Can we do that? Uh, you know, right for now, they're just asking us to keep you guys in your seats. Um, just everybody chill out. It's just, you know, you can imagine how much it takes to orchestrate something like this. We got to get everybody out of here seamlessly. And I'm just kind of fucking making up shit on my, off the top of my head. Um, to, so that they don't think that there's anything to worry about, that it's just, uh, it's one of these snafu things that happens when you have a large event like this. That's kind of what I was trying to do. But the amount of people that asked me if they could go to the bathroom was mind numbing. Um, so finally, you know, the cops get back and we are, you know, we're allowed to let them out, but now we have to go out and take up our positions outside, right? So that the kids know where to go. And we get out there and two blocks away is bright, sunny, really warm day in San Francisco. Thank God it wasn't raining or anything. And the first thing I noticed upon walking outside is three or four news helicopters a couple of blocks away, just hovering, taking footage. And it must have been, that must have been where the shooting had happened. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty fucking close. <laughs> and, you know, I spent some time, you know, I lived in LA for three years in the early nineties and I, I remember, I well remember the news helicopters during the Rodney King riots and you know, whatnot. So that was a bit of a flashback for me. And so now we've just got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids streaming out of this theater. And I keep, I keep, I, I just have this thing about aviation. So anytime there are flying machines in the air, I'm always looking up at them, checking in what's going on with them and things like that. And I kept, Every minute or two, I would look up at the news choppers and they were moving, a few of them sort of inching closer and closer to the theater. And my initial thought was, oh shit, are they following, they're following the action that's on the ground. Does that mean that it's coming this way? Oh, fuck. <laughs> But I didn't say anything. I was just kind of like, la, 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 la. <laughs> They're getting over. Why are they coming this way? And then, you know, there was no sirens. There was cops everywhere, you know, that if there had been something going on, they would have been reacting. So I realized that the people in these news shoppers with their cameras had just taken note. This is my guess anyway. They had taken note of this stream of humanity coming out of the Orpheum Theater in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, just not theaters are usually pretty quiet during the week, you know? And they, uh, my guess is they went, Hey, what's got going on? Turn the camera over there. What's going on over here? You know? And I even jokingly said to uh, producer Wendy and one of the guys around us, I'm like, they're like, Oh, there seems to be a mass exodus from the Orpheum right now. We don't know if this has anything to do with the shooting, but, uh, we're going to keep our eye on it. You know, just, I just imagining this live midday news broadcast in San Francisco. Um, so if anybody listening to this lives in San Francisco and you were home watching, uh, the, uh, the news, uh, midday, 
on uh, Wednesday, May 3rd, and you saw any footage of a bunch of people streaming out of the Orpheum Theater, let me know. <laughs> I would love to know if that actually happened. So then we go inside, we eat our lunch. Uh, it was pretty good. It was catered. Had, you know, sliders and tater tots and just sort of typical lunchtime fare, little sandwiches and stuff like that. Met some of the people. Um, and when we were done eating, then we had to go back out and sort of do the whole thing in reverse of letting the kids back into the theater. And then once everybody was back in and settled, that was time for Hamilton to start. Okay. Now. I have some advice for people who haven't seen Hamilton, but want to. People who think they don't want to see Hamilton. Trust me, you do. <laughs> um, my advice is avoid any avoid anything other than what is offered to you publicly. Like if there's a performance on the Grammys or the Tonys or the things like I saw, one of the things that I think is super great that they're doing a really good job with, with more and more productions is limiting the access on the internet and YouTube and things like that, where, you know, you know, if you're caught with your phone filming in one of these shows, you're booted. It's, you know, it's very, they're very, very strict. No phot photographs, no. And really, um, that's a two pronged thing. One, it's super distracting to the people on stage. You know, you turn your phone on, it lights your whole face up. It lights up the two seats around you. It's, you know, um, but also, you know, hey, people, you know, you want to come see the show, pay for your fucking ticket and go see the show. Um, and anybody who's ever seen cell phone video of a live performance knows that it's, <laughs> it's just the fucking worst. But one of the things that I found most enjoyable about seeing the show is I knew or had seen, I think both performances I saw were the same song. I think they were both the first song in the play. Um, it might have been two different songs, but either way, very early songs in the play. I might have seen one medley. Can't really remember. But um, I knew sort of the vibe, right? I knew what the set looked like. I knew I had an idea of what the costumes looked like and what what somewhat what music to expect or whatever but other than and i knew what it was about broadly but other than that um i didn't know much all i knew is i was very intrigued and i really wanted to see it and i am so glad that i didn't know what to expect i didn't know what song was coming next i didn't know where the the comedic moments were where the dramatic moments were where the haughty moments were you know it was 
And that's what going to the theater is supposed to be. You're not supposed to be reliving something you've already seen on YouTube. You're not supposed to be reliving something that you've already listened to the cast album 30 times. And, oh, God, it was so great. It was it was so amazing to see the detail with which if nothing else, the detail with which Miranda wrote this thing, it's, it, there's a reason it took him seven years to write this thing. It is so multifaceted and multilayered and detailed and intricate while still being easy to follow. It is a fucking masterstroke, you guys. <laughs> It's so fucking good. Oh my god. Um and you know, and now I have the cast album and I haven't been able to stop listening to it since I got it. And here's one of the things and this harkens me back all the way to the play Oliver. For those of you that are old enough to remember it. Um which was a life-changing experience for me when I saw that play as a child. Um, because I'm pretty sure when I saw that, it was a touring uh, production as well. If not, it was definitely not the original cast. But the thing about musical theater or theater in general, well, not so much dramatic theater, but musical theater, one of the things about it is that the experience is supposed to be the same, you know, as close to the same anyway, for people that were there on opening night of the original production and uh, 10 years later with completely different people doing it, people who were in elementary school when the first one came out, you know, and... When I listened to the cast album, which I don't think there's a single person in the production that I saw who is on the cast album. Um, at one moment, I thought um, I thought that Rory O'Malley, who plays King George in the uh, in the current touring production that I saw in San Francisco. I thought he was on the cast album when I started listening to it um, because I know he also played King George for a year. I learned that in the program on Broadway before he joined the touring show. Um, and it, it's so fucking every, every song that King George does on the cast album. It's, it's like, God, it sounds just like that guy. That's the whole idea, you guys. <laughs> That's the whole fucking idea. I also, you know, and then when I, because I know that, uh, that Hamilton's not played by the same guy. I know that 100% for sure, right? It's not Lynn Manuel Miranda. But there are parts in all of these different songs where, it's not the voice is, is exactly the same, although the King Georges are very, very fucking close. 
Um, but like certain, certain expressions of emotion that, that are done vocally and things like that are, uh, so fucking perfectly syncopated from one actor to another playing the same role. And that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to make it yours. You know, you're supposed to, this is, this is what, this is what's done. This is how, this is how this role is played and you have to learn how to play it that way. Um, and having said that, I will say, and I tweeted this a day or so after seeing the play, um, because one of the, one of the other, uh, one of the other reasons that I hesitated, um, on saying yes to this thing is that I knew how badly my daughter wanted to see Hamilton. And, and I was like, and I knew that Wendy could only get the one ticket and, um, I was going to be the one to use it and, you know, all of that. And it was like, well, I would rather not, if this is going to be a big issue for Taylor, I would rather just not do it than, uh, than have her feel like I had, ripped the rug out from under or something and gone to see Hamilton without her. And I mentioned that to Taylor and, you know, thankfully she was like, Oh no, that's fine. I don't, Lynn Manuel's not in it anymore. So I don't care. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. Awesome. I'm glad I brought it up. Cause I almost said no, just to, just cause I thought you would be upset. Um, and I honestly think that that's, that's my takeaway from this whole experience. Um, well, let me, let me say a little bit more. Um, we, as far as the sort of lunchtime, pre-lunchtime tragic moments um, are concerned, we later found out that um, that a child, a co-student, a, you know, a, a, a fellow student of one of the schools that were there uh, was on his way to school um, and was taking the train tracks as a shortcut or something like that. And I later heard that maybe he was had his earbuds in or something like that. But, you know, you can probably tell where this is going. But tragically, he was hit and killed by a train on his way to school, which, uh, that's, there's, there's, you know, there's no way to prepare for that, um, as a parent or a friend or a community. So thoughts go out to his friends and family and student, you know, his fellow students and everybody that's affected by that. Cause that's absolutely fucking mind numbing. Um, and apparently the um, officer involved shooting <clears throat> wasn't, there wasn't, there was at no point a suspect at large. It was actually, um, from what I understand now, two SFPD officers came across just by chance a stabbing in progress and, uh, and shot the assailant and killed him. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, the moment the words shots fired come over the radio, every cop in the area drops what they're doing and takes off. So, but everything ended up 
you know, at least as far as the, as far as our little world that day went, you know, the cops got back in time, everything, everything worked out. And, uh, we were, you know, we were fortunate enough. We had a hotel room, so we didn't, you know, and because one of the things that I found out before we were getting ready to go is, Hey, this is the, this is the siren song. This is the last one. And, and all the Gilder Lerman people are going back to their respective corners. I think most of them were from New York city and, uh, until because the next time they're going to be able to do it won't be until next school year. So, uh, it'll probably be in Seattle or San Diego or somewhere like that. So this was their last hurrah. And, uh, and they all wanted to go out for drinks afterwards. And, you know, who am I to say no to that? But I sure as hell wasn't going to go out to drinks and then drive from San Francisco to Santa Cruz. So we had already decided that we were going to spend the night, uh, even though I had to be at work the next day. I didn't have to be at work until noon. So um, as it turned out, the place that they decided we we had booked into it because the people from New York were staying at a hotel I don't know, it was a mile or so away. It wasn't far. But the hotel that we booked into was literally like a block from the theater. And then the bar that they decided they wanted to go drinking at was directly across the street from our hotel. So we were golden. (laughs) Um, And what a great group of people. I'll tell you what. I mean, um, being able to meld, you know, history and education and... Um, and, and, and high school students and, you know, the sort of, you know, I hate, I hate to use the term low income or, you know, whatever, but just, you know, kids that aren't given this type of opportunity, uh, very often. Um, and I think that they're, oh, and I will tell you that their respect and their, they were one of the best audiences that I have ever been a part of for any type of show. Um, there was some points where it was just kind of like, okay, kids calm down, (laughs) you know, um, they were a little boisterous from time to time, but they knew that they were you know, at the theater and they, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of talking and horse rat horse play and, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's a little bit here and there because they're, you know, it's hard to get, a big group of kids that age to sit still for a long time. But for the most part, they were fantastic and they were into the show. I'll tell you what, man. And they knew all the songs and all of that. So, you know, the opening riff of any particular song came on and they would just lose their shit. And then of course they had their favorite, you know, their favorite performers. So, you know, certain guy would come out on stage and all the girls in the place would scream. It was, it was a lot of fun. It really, really was. Um, I can't think of, I can't think of anything that would have made it better. To be honest with you, I would do it again in a heartbeat and wish that I had been available or made myself available or asked to be available or something, um, from the very beginning. And, that's my takeaway from this that I started to speak to earlier. That's when things like this, when you have experiences like this, it 
sort of drops the scales from your eyes and you know no matter how cynical or jaded or stuck in your ways or uh, anything like that the importance of saying yes to new experiences is absolutely critical to leading a fulfilling happy energetic worthwhile life you know and wendy said yes to the opportunity through her i was given uh, an opportunity that i could say yes to because i might not i probably wouldn't have said yes to the thing that she did but i was able to on a much smaller scale go okay yeah one day i can give you one day you know whatever and as fantastic of an experience as it was for me she said yes a month and a half two months before i did maybe even longer than that and so she got even you know say yes folks that's what i'm saying it's really important it kind of goes along with the whole live in the now theory so I guess I might as well wrap it up. I could go on and on about this experience. I could get into all the minute details of what it was like backstage and how, you know, oh, and, you know, I, 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 I do want to say, you know, one thing about the production itself. I'm trying really hard not to, um, you know, I won't, I promise there won't be any spoilers, but, um, one of the great things, and this is true about a lot of musical theater that it doesn't get credit for, but this production runs the gamut from, I mean, there's, there's something in it for everybody. There's, and for every facet of your own personality, you know, there are supremely funny moments. There are, um, very poignant sort of sad moments. There's emotional highs and lows. There are, places where if you're paying attention you will laugh hard the the cast and the dancing and the costumes and everything there's a there's a very sort of sensual sexy vibe to much of the show um and all the while you're learning stuff that's what's so cool. And that's why it's so great that they brought these kids in because there's not a whole lot of dramatic license taken. I mean, obviously the language is, is different than the way people would have talked in the 18th and, and uh, early 19th centuries. But, um, but the, the, the stuff that they're talking about, the, the actual um, events and everything all actually happened. Everything in, in this play actually happened. I mean, some of there's speculation on how the you know, conversations actually went down, obviously, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I knew probably more than your average bear about some of this stuff before I went, but I still learned a bunch of shit, you know, um, as far as Hamilton himself goes, I knew that he was, you know, what, first secretary of the Stre Treasury or whatever. I knew that he, that Aaron Burr shot him. I knew that, you know, but, um, but like his, 
his like the oh, I don't know. There's so many historical figures in this in this play that you know. I mean, Washington's in it, Jefferson's in it, Lafayette is in it. That and and they're they're sort of brought to life. These you know people that we see on our money and that we that they're so clinically talked about in in school to see them as actual people with all of their weaknesses and foibles along with the things that they're really good at and the major accomplishments that they made, but to also see, yeah, they were fucking damaged and they were traumatized and they were making shit up as they went along and, you know, all of that kind of thing. It's a really, really powerful experience. I highly, highly recommend it. I really do. Um, Outside of all the pomp and circumstance of it being this massively popular uh, play, and and you know, uh, I can't wait to see. I guess it might be another six years or so before Miranda comes out with something new, uh, and I hope it is that long because I hope it's as good or better than Hamilton. And um, I'm also going to, I want to, I want to be sure to mention before I finish up, uh, I'm, we're going to put some links to Gilder Lerman and, and, uh, and, and the whole program on, on the, uh, on the website and on the Facebook page and, and all of that, I'm sure, because this is a program, this is the type of program that really needs to be broadcast and needs to be known about and, you know, maybe they can't do this everywhere for every school, but people could definitely take their model and and utilize it uh, locally. And I think this kind of thing needs to happen much, much more often, especially with the way that arts are being cut these days. So... That's my last little soapbox moment. This was a fan-fucking-tastic experience for me. I My thanks to producer Wendy, to everybody at Gilder Lerman, to the kids, to the Orpheum Theater. To I mean, this was... Oh, God, I would do this every fucking day if I could, honestly. I honestly would. Um, yeah. Go see Hamilton, you guys. Uh-oh.